The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A Monday edition of PFTOT, the program that we do after we go off the air with PFT Live, so we can address some things that we either didn't get to or things we didn't get to talk about enough. Here's one, Chris, we're going to begin with that we didn't talk about during the program. Adam Gase, mutual friend of ours who we interviewed at the league meetings a couple of weeks ago, and a guy who who is, is a little feisty. He, he's, he's, he's still a little bit miffed, to say the least, about being fired by the Dolphins. He stays in the division as head coach of the Jets, and they start their offseason program today, and he has made it clear that he doesn't care about what happened in the past. Whoever you are from this day forward, that's who I'm going to know. You could have been late, disruptive, and a terrible football player. When April 8th starts, you can be on time, great in the locker room and play well and that's what I'm going to know for me it's a fresh start for everybody because that's what it has to be we're moving forward I think that's the right attitude you know you've got the players on the locker room you got to make chicken salad out of whatever you may have on the roster and who cares what happened under a prior coach what matters is what happens under this coach and today's the day to begin proving yourself yeah that's right and that's the the proper way like you said it's a fresh start for everybody he's a new coach hey players on the roster coming here they feel good about coming into off-season workouts knowing okay the coaches don't have any preconceived notions about me also what Adam Gase does in this too is you know doesn't really start any bias right in his own brain about a evaluating the players that are on the roster. Listen, there might have been guys who were playing out of position with the old regime and the old, uh, you know, old, let's just say, let's say the defensive scheme they played. Maybe a guy was a defensive end, but he was asked to play outside linebacker and he wasn't good. But now he's going to go get to go back and play defensive end for Greg Williams or whatever that may be. I'm just trying to say when you go into a evaluation process with preconceived notions and bias, it affects your ability to evaluate. And that's where I like what Adam Gase is doing here. No, let's see how these players do in my system with what we're going to coach and see how they fit in there and not worry about anything we've seen in their history. And I think that's the proper way to uh, evaluate and run a football team, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah, he just wants to compete. He just wants to win. And he just wants guys who are going to be there and buy into what it is he's trying to do. He tried desperately to have that in Miami. And they had plenty of guys there that ultimately didn't fit. And he was not bashful about getting rid of those guys who have less power in New York than he had in Miami. But he's not going to put up with guys who don't see it the way he sees it, but he will give everyone that clean slate on the way in. And if the Jets are going to be as successful as they need to be, I think that's the right way to go. And, you know, they they could be – there's that – There's that question of who is the team that is going to challenge the Patriots, Chris, and between the Bills and the Jets – I know, I know last week you, you're, you're leaning a little bit toward the Bills, but it won't surprise me if no. the Jets end up being a team that is nipping at the heels of the Patriots. No, I agreed. I don't. It would not surprise me either. I think the Jets and Buffalo are two teams that I would just I have marked on, on the schedule to go. Watch out for these two teams this year. I think they can open up a lot of eyes and be uh, more of a thorn in the side of the New England Patriots than maybe we've seen in recent history. 
And I just love all the cross-pollination between the coaches and the teams and the players. And just it, it's a great division. Yeah, it's personal. It would be better if the Patriots didn't dominate it every single year because the personalities are in place and the relationships are in place for it to be very compelling. Things are going to get interesting at some point in Arizona over the next 17 days. We'll find out whether or not Kyler Murray is the first overall pick. Maybe we'll find out whether or not Josh Rosen is going to be traded, although I don't think they trade him until after they pick Murray. And I think ideally you want to get Murray to sign a contract with a no baseball clause on the way through the door. But Rosen is expected to be president, present or president, present for offseason workouts that start today under new coach Cliff Kingsbury and Josh Rosen, the subject of some trade rumors. At some point, he's likely going to talk to the media. Chris, this is a guy who has not been bashful about sharing his views. I'm going to be very interested to see yeah. what Rosen has to say about these non uh, stop questions about whether or not he is going to be traded to another team. Yeah, no, I am too. Uh, again, I, I mean, it's the right thing that Josh Rosen is doing uh, by coming the first day of off-season workouts, being a part of it. First off is he's going to get a feel for where he stands with the organization. I think he'll get to be able to feel the vibe a little bit uh, that the coaches are giving off. You know, the second thing is, hey, you want to show to not only maybe future employers, but the team that you're employed with right now, that you're not a uh, uh, you know, affected by things that go on outside the lines of football, that you still have great self-confidence in self, right? And you're looking forward to improve your play, and you're not going to be detracted by the outside art, you know, media articles or are we going to trade this guy? Or are we going to draft that guy? That will go over a long way if he handles himself the proper way, even in the Arizona Cardinal locker room or throughout the NFL. So hopefully he does that. That would be the smart thing to do. And I truly believe, standing here, what did you say, 17 days away from the draft right now? I, I would doubt that the Arizona Cardinals really know 100% what they're going to do yet. I think they probably have a lean, certainly, but I don't think they know yet because I'm sure there's more teams and conversations they want to talk to for before uh, they finally make that, that final decision. And he does need to be careful because to the extent that other teams are evaluating whether or not they want to trade for Josh yeah. Rosen, they're going to listen to everything he has to say. And anything he says can and will be used against him if a team is on the fence. Well, you know, there were those concerns that he, he says the, the, the wrong things at the wrong times. He's too outspoken. He's not a robot like we want these guys to be. And then he comes out and he says something brash and over the top. You know, like what he said when he was drafted. Oh, I'm going to prove none other teams made the biggest mistakes of their lives. I mean, if, if he comes out and says, oh, the Cardinals are going to make the biggest mistake of their lives if they trade me that may not be the kind of thing that endears him to a new team so I think he'll play it smart I think he'll play it safe and I think that you know if the the process is going to play itself out with him being traded you don't want to do anything to disrupt it because the last thing that that Rosen would want I believe would be to be stuck in Arizona as the backup to Kyler Murray right when there's an opportunity to go somewhere else and potentially be the starter at some point over the next few years. Yeah, no, he doesn't want to be the backup to Kyler Murray. That that's not a that's a no-win situation. You know, again, if he was the backup for Kyler Murray, hey, maybe he gets on the field at some point, but it's going to be tough right off the get-go because Kyler Murray's one of those guys that's electric. Everybody on the team that plays, all the coaches, from day 1 he gets on the practice field, they're going to look at him and go, "Whoa. Oh, well, holy cow. Whoa, look at him run." Wow, look, that's a big-time arm. Whoa, look at those throws on the run. He will become a training camp OTA legend, uh, you know, very quickly. And he's going to be set up for him to be the starter, especially if he's the number one pick. And, yes, that'll be a tough situation for Josh Rosen. 
Similar concept, but different circumstances in Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers will likely meet with the media at some point this week as the Packers launch their offseason program under first-year head coach Matt LaFleur. And the Packers media sessions this week have necessarily become more intriguing because of last week's story from Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Report, an exhausting uh, exhaustive and exhausting look at uh, at what was going on in Green Bay over the past several years with Mike McCarthy there as the head coach. And Chris, so many rabbit holes and so many issues and so many things to dispute and rebut. And, you know, my understanding is the Packers privately dispute the idea that CEO Mark Murphy said to Aaron Rodgers, don't be the problem. I expect that Rodgers will take that head on and say that never happened. But this is going to be a, a, a difficult one for Rodgers as well because, He's got that reputation for being passive-aggressive. Everyone will be interpreting, or at least trying to interpret, everything he says. I, he, he needs to play this straight, and yeah. he needs to come out and, 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 and you know try to put 2018 behind him and focus on the future and doing everything that needs to be done to help his current team, to help his new coach. And uh, I think the more he says the more that we will have as media members to parse through his words and try to find hidden meanings, I think it would behoove him to say as little as possible. Yeah, no, I think he's got to, uh, again, you're right. Hey, the, the, the things that are out there about him, sensitive, you know, uh, passive-aggressive. Listen, you know I love Aaron Rodgers. I don't know him. Uh, I've met him for 30 seconds in my life, so I have no, like, personal vested interest here other than I love the guy and the way he plays football on the field. But I hear all these things throughout the NFL, so some of it must be true. Yes, I get it. Now, listen, uh, I think it's overblown. We're talking about Greg Jennings, who basically exposed to us that it was personal and uh, there was issues there between him and Jermichael Finley. They didn't like Aaron Rodgers. You have a hard time finding other players down the line, though, that don't. I mean, a lot of the players that have been there for a long time have loved Aaron Rodgers, and I understand he's not perfect, but I think he needs to show respect to Mike McCarthy uh, within this process. Yes, kind of end the rumor of the fact that, oh, yeah, Mark Murphy had to call me and tell me don't be the problem. He'll, ha- he'll handle that head on and, and uh, debunk that whole thing. But I guess where I get a little frustrated again, too, is, you know, people going, with, oh, with Aaron Rodgers changing the plays and doing things like that and not taking orders. Well, there's just more to the story that we found out, too. You know, again, you know, changes plays. Yeah, okay. The coach wasn't there in meetings at times. I think he has an issue with that. You know, okay. You've allowed the player to change the plays. When he does it then, you can't be mad at him because you don't seem to be mad at him when he tells or changes the play in the huddle and the NFC championship or NFC divisional game a few years ago against the Cowboys where he draws up a play in the sand and throws a 40-yard laser to save the game to Jared Cook who's falling out of bounds to then go ahead and win the football game. So you got to take the good with the bad. Again, it was the culture in Green Bay that has led to this. They went from a Brett Favre, gunslinger, carry us Brett Favre type of team and they transitioned right into that to Bre- to Aaron Rodgers to where it was oh Aaron carry us save us do magical things and therefore we've created this guy who seems like he's almost bigger than the franchise and we want to blame Aaron Rodgers a little bit and i understand some blame deserves to go there but i also want to say part of the culture was to make him into this and he had no other choice but to be this guy that could carry the team as well so that's where i fight back i guess a little do you ultimately believe what Tyler Dunn reported last week? I know there's a lot there, yeah. and and I, I it's 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 one of these things where there's so much in there. Yeah, 
it's hard to pick and choose and say, I believe some right, of it, but right. not others. There, there used to be a story that I would tell uh, when you're trying to convince a jury that your case is the right side and you should vote in their favor. If there's some glaring flaw in the other side's case, it's like a chunk of rancid meat in a bowl of beef stew. You don't just take out the rancid meat, you dump out all the stew. I mean, from your perspective, did you think overall that, that Tyler Dunn's report about the Packers was persuasive. Uh, yeah, broadly, I thought that that was pretty, yeah, pretty spot on. Spot on to the things I've heard over the years in a lot of ways. You know, I'm not going to say I agreed with every specific thing that I heard in the story and all of that, but yeah, I think broadly, I mean, when we just talk about there was a disconnect between Rod, you know, Rodgers and McCarthy, I certainly do agree with that. Some of the issues we've talked about leading up to prior to this article being re- released about McCarthy not being a part of some of the game planning and then calling plays we had always heard those type of things you know Rodgers having a chip on his shoulder about McCarthy not drafting him uh in the 2000 what was that five draft six draft uh all that being personal yeah I I believe all of that I've always kind of heard those things and I think Tyler Dunn just laid them out perfectly for all of us to see and there's another one Mike I mean people are mad for Aaron Rodgers having a chip on his shoulder see this is where I don't get it's okay for some people to have a chip on their shoulder and then others not. And that's where I get crazed by the media sometimes and the you know, hypocrisy of it. We're going to celebrate one guy for having a chip. Uh, but the other guy, man, that chip's too big. Slow down. You're going too far here. And I don't always like that aspect of it either. Well, but it's one thing to have a chip on your shoulder that's directed externally. It's another thing to hold a grudge internally that applies to your head coach and that undermines the way that you regard your coach. Sure. And maybe you're more likely to view your coach as an idiot, like Rogers reportedly did, a low football IQ, that kind of stuff. You you never get to the point where you bond the way you should if that that disrespect that predated the coach's arrival. And maybe the message in hindsight is they never should have hired Mike McCarthy in the first place. I mean, they'd had Aaron Rodgers around for a year. They presumably had an idea of how he ticks. Maybe they should have realized that this wasn't the best combination. Maybe they should have hired Sean Payton instead of Mike McCarthy to be the head coach. He was the other finalist. But I... I, I think that it's more problematic if that chip on the shoulder is directed to somebody that you're supposed to be working with Agreed. and coming together and trying to win football games with. Yeah, no, I, I won't I won't dispute what you said there. You're exactly right. If it's becoming personal to a guy that's the head coach in charge and you're butting heads with them because you're letting a personal chip that happened years and years before that uh, kind of get in the way of you know a, a fruitful business career going forward as far as success on the field between two guys. I'm with you there, Mike. I won't dispute that. You mentioned a, a few minutes ago that you only met Aaron Rodgers once for 30 seconds. Yeah. Did you shake his hand when you met him? I did, of course, yes. If if you were not a spleenless germaphobe, would you have ever washed that hand again? Yes, I'm not that obsessive that I feel like that I have to do that. <laughs> but you know what? Like I am like you know how like John Dorsey or Andy Reid shook my hand at the combine or at the NFL owners meeting, and they like they mentioned how big my hands were, right? Uh, I did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers because I, you know, again, I'm a I'm a football aficionado. I love to sit there, I watch how guys grip the football and do those things. Aaron Rodgers has gigantic hands, so when I did shake his hand, I was very aware, going, "Oh man, those are some long fingers." Okay, now I know why he can throw that ball the way he can. That was the thing I took away from shaking his hand. You know, the bigger the hand, the more surface area for germs too. Oh, that's right. You, you know, be what, careful. Yep. You know what they say about big hands. 
Big gloves. We really are going to go Big there. Gloves. Hey, what was your what was your what Big was your gloves, impression, you pervert. impression when we you just... shook? Well, I didn't say anything. What was your impression when you shook my tiny little uh, little boy hand? You don't have tiny little boy hands. You got a pretty good sized hand for a guy. That's what. What are you five eleven? I'll take five eleven. Okay, maybe five ten and a half. But you have some. No, I'll take five eleven. Uh, we'll go with five ten and a half. Now that you said you take, I'll take it. six foot. Oh no, we're not going <laughs> to give you that. But you got square shoulders and some long arms, so you have some attributes of like a six one six two uh, guy. So there, there's something. I'll to take that six too. one. Yeah, I'll take six one. <laughs> All right, uh, last one. Jamal Charles has attributes of a Hall of Famer in his opinion. And, you know, as crazy as it sounded, because, look, I don't think it's a case he should be making for himself. Then again, in some situations, if you don't make the case, no one else is going to make it for you. He says, some of my numbers look way better than people already in Canton. And uh, he, he believes that he should be considered for the Hall of Fame. He does have an NFL record average of 5.38 yards per carry. And that is impressive considering that he has 7,563 career yards. He was special in his day. Just injuries prevented him from ever being really the guy he could have been. But when you look up the the next guy ahead of him, Chris, on the all-time rushing list with only, I'm trying to do the math here quickly, 44 more yards is Terrell Davis, who just got in within the past couple of years. So maybe Jamal Charles has an argument to make that he should be considered. I think it's a better argument than we've all realized. That's what I'll say. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. But I think he's in the conversation. He's going to be on a few ballots for sure. Now, yeah, it's not a sustained long period, too, of greatness. But there is four or five years in there where, yeah, you could have argued Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson. It was one and two for the most explosive of running backs in football for a number of years. I mean, he was a special talent, a guy that could catch the ball and take a take a screen pass 70 to the house. He could run right up the middle between the tackles and go 70 to the house. He is in that combo. You know, you bring up Terrell Davis or, you know, we talk about Frank Gore, right, Mike? And I know you think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. And I would go, well, here's Jamal Charles, and I believe he's had more years as a top five rusher in the NFL than Frank Gore. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about Frank Gore. I'm just adding food for thought to go, yeah, I think it's uh, a little bit more of a topic than maybe we've all given it credit for. It's pretty special to average over five yards per carry when only three people, I believe, he's one of three in the history of the NFL, have done it. In 2010 – he had 1,467 rushing yards and averaged 6.4 yards Ooh, per man. carry for the year. And then he tore the ACL in 2011, came back with 1,500 rushing yards right. the next year, 1,200 after that, 1,000 in 2014, and then his his career. He had another torn ACL at some point, and that caused his career to essentially fall apart, and uh, he was never the same after that. But but I I'm coming around. I initially yeah. was was like, oh, come on, Jamal. But now, you know what? And here's the other thing, Chris. How many running backs are there from the last 15 years that are ever going to merit serious consideration? I mean, the, the reality is what we expect out of a Hall of Fame running back, it, it's going to change. It is. It's going to shift, right? If the bar is going to go up for what it takes to be a Hall of Fame receiver because of the increased passing, maybe the bar needs to come down for what it takes to be a Hall of Fame running back because of the decreased running and the prevalence of of the the revolving sure. door that so many teams use. How, where are the Hall of Famers? You could argue it's Peterson, 
it's Gore, and it's Jamal Charles of the last 15 years. Yeah, no, um, yeah, you're since right. Since really post-LaDainian Tomlinson. Marshawn Lynch might guys. be in that conversation, right? Marshawn might be. I'm just trying to add a few other guys other than – but I, no, I, I, think, I, you're I right. think you're right. And I, th- I think Marshawn probably does get in. Let's check his stats here real quick before we wrap this up. He has – come on, Google. What do you got here, Google? He has uh, 10,379. So 4.3 10- yards per carry. He's got a Super Bowl ring, another right. Super Bowl appearance. Would have been a Super Bowl MVP if they had run the ball instead of passing it. I think I think he gets in, Peterson gets in, Gore gets in, and maybe Charles gets in. Maybe Charles gets in. Yeah, At Charles, some point, maybe he doesn't get in right away. Right. Maybe he's got to wait a while, right. but maybe he gets in. Yeah, because you got to And here's the other thing, too. Right. Keep this in mind. As time goes by, right, if you don't have great running backs, then the leftover great running backs who haven't gotten in yeah, for past years sure. are, are going to look more attractive. Yeah, no, you're right. Exactly right. And, you know, again, for the guy like Jamal Charles, you got to add in the receiving stats, too. And he's had, what, over 2,500 yards career uh, as far as receiving the ball, too. So that puts him over 10,000 career all-purpose yards just from receiving and rushing. And, again, for a guy that didn't get the ball all that much all the time either, as far as, you know, we, you talked about average yards per carry, but gosh, I mean, he had years where, yeah, you rushed for 1,500 yards and only had 285 carries. I mean, that was towards the middle of the NFL. I mean, think if he was with a guy who wanted to really pound the rock a little bit more, what those stats might have been. But I think all the points you made uh, are very valid, Mike, and I'm not so sure he's a Hall of Famer. He's an NFL legend for sure, but I think you're right. He's going to be on a lot of ballots, and I think Running back numbers are not going to be as sexy as we knew them to be when we were growing up with the Walter Paytons and the Emmett Smiths and all that. Yeah, in 2010, his best NFL season, he had 1,935 yards from scrimmage, and he averaged seven yards every time he touched the ball. That, That's that really insane. is amazing. Yeah. And uh, Texas, you know, I'm baby. coming around. Hook I'm, of horns. I'm, I'm coming around. Yeah. I expected this to be an ugly argument because you'd be incredibly biased at helping out your Texas guy, and I was going to be the voice of reason. The more I look at it, I think uh, the voice of reason would be he needs to get more serious consideration than yeah. we thought. So yeah. uh, that, that was an eye-opener for me. All right, Chris, hey, great job as always. Chris Sims unbuttoned. Coming later today, PFTPM, we will have Ant- – Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck, one of the Lucks, <laughs> the one who's not the player. Oliver Luck, the XFL commissioner, will be joining me, so check that out as well. Have a great day. We'll see you on Tuesday. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.